You are now listening to Bodies by Design Radio with trainer Fred and Coach Donovan, where we talk about all things fitness, nutrition, and the mindset of how it all applies to your busy life. For more, head over to bbdforlife.com. Hey, hey, what's going on, y'all? Welcome to episode number 76 of Bodies by Design Radio. I'm Coach Donovan, and trainer Fred is not with me today, but I'm excited because we have a special guest joining us. And every time I introduce this guest at the gym when she's not around, what I say is that she's an amazing physical therapist. And I think she's got the highest level of physical therapy you can get. And only 1% of physical therapists get it. She was in school for like 10 years. And I say all these things. So Dr. Morgan, I'm glad you're here. Um, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me, Coach D. I'm super excited to be on here. Yeah, for sure. So if you don't know, Dr. Morgan is our physical therapist at Bodies by Design. Um, I'll let her do a little bit more of an introduction, but she uh, operates Opal Movement Therapy and she takes care of all of our clients there at the gym and a ton of clients from outside the facility that come in. And we really are grateful to have you as part of the team. So am I introducing you correctly? I'll let you expand on this. But when I say you know, you have like the top certification that physical therapists can get and only very few physical therapists get it. Is that accurate? It's accurate, but we need a little more detail. <laughs> and so it's, so I have my doctorate and everybody now who goes to PT school will graduate with a doctorate of physical therapy. And then you have the option to go on and do residencies or fellowships, just like medical physicians and they're in different specialties. So for my specialty, which is orthopedics, I do have the highest level of postdoctorate training because I went on and I did a three-year fellowship and my fellowship was in orthopedic manual physical therapy. So you'll see at the end of my credentials, it's Dr. Morgan Riggins, PT, DPT, which is doctor of PT, and then get ready, F-A-A-O-M-P-T or FAOM mm. for short, because it's, it's, a, it's a mouthful and um, at the end of the day, it just distinguishes that I went back and I did another three years. It's kind of like going to PT school a second time, but just for one particular area. And in my case, that's orthopedics and manual therapy. So working on the musculoskeletal system and the nervous system with hands-on therapy combined with corrective exercise. And it gave me a ton of insight and training into differential diagnosis. And so I got a lot more um, specific training and more specific skills in the fellowship to help with like injuries, like shoulder pain, back pain, neck pain, all those things that we're experiencing on the daily. Um, but I have more, a little more specialized training and treating those issues. Awesome. That's a great breakdown and definitely understand more for sure. And, uh, it was, it was cool to watch you go through kind of the, the ending of that the last year to 18 months of the dedication it took while you were still, you know, working with clients and, you know, traveling back and forth. It was, it was great to see. So, um, happy to have you on today and we're going to be covering a topic that's really important for not only our clients at the gym, but anybody who's actually in the gym, uh, working, you know, to have a better body and, and reach these goals. And so the topic is, uh, how do you avoid these injuries, these top three injuries that happen between the ages of 30 and 60 with most people? 
even if you have an amazing coach on deck, these injuries can still happen, right? These types of nagging pain. So we're going to talk about those top three injuries and the things that you can do to avoid those injuries. And if you already have these injuries happening, how you can start to work through those to get past it. So uh, Dr. Morgan, I'm going to let you lead the way. Let's talk about injury number one that you see with clients who come in and they're working at the gym, even if they have a coach. Yeah, I, the number one that I see in a gym setting is going to be knee pain. That's, that's right up there. It's knee pain, and then slightly below that is back pain and then shoulder pain. But knee pain, mm. I find, is more commonly one of the first things that pops up with either someone who is starting a new training routine or has been training a while, but maybe the intensity of the workout is changing or there's a, a shift in like, say you took time off for a vacation and then you come back to the gym. Maybe you've worked out for several years, but you took a week off um, or you added in some new intensity. Knee pain is one that just talks louder than some of the others. And it's really common. Um, and one of the reasons why it's so common is that the knee has a ton of range of motion it moves really, really well, but that also means that it has a little more room for air. And so when you're doing lower body workouts with squats, lunges, step ups, single leg work, we need to ideally stack our hip, knee, and our second toe perfectly so that when we do that lower body movement, the hip absorbs some of the load, the knee does its weight, and then the ankle and the foot do the rest. But the problem is a lot of times our knee tends to deviate and it might dive in. And if you watch yourself on a squat or a lunge, you might see how it's being pulled in and that puts more load on the knee. And because it moves so well, we tend to load it first and move it. And if that load's not absorbed equally down the chain, it's going to concentrate and essentially structures in the knee just get overloaded. So it all comes down to not what we're doing, but how we're doing it. Like you may be executing the squats and doing the lunges, but if you're having some symptoms in your knee, we need to look at how are you doing it? How are you stacking it? Hip, knee, toe. And one of the things I actually had a client at the gym ask me yesterday, he joined and he wants to lose some weight. And he said, you know, my knee pain, would it be better if I lost 30 pounds? And I said, Load is a factor, right? The, the mass you have on your frame is a factor, but right now you're carrying around those 30 pounds and you're only having pain on one knee. So what's going wrong? If it was just the weight, we would accept symptoms on, on both sides. He's only having symptoms on one knee. So then we have to look closer at what are the ways he stands on it, does squats, does lunges. And we did find a difference. His, his left knee actually started to cave in and deviate, whereas his right knee stayed stacked and he was able to recruit his glute, his quad, his hamstring, all the muscles all the way down the chain in a lunge. And so it all comes down to that movement. And if you, even if you train all the time, a lot of us work sedentary jobs. And so we may work out really intensely for one hour out of the day, or maybe you're doing two, but the rest of the time you're in a sitting position, right? Or you're mm -hmm. sitting, standing, doing less activity because you're working. And in those positions, when you sit, those work some muscles, but it also neglects other muscles. And that can generate some muscles being able to fire better than others. And a lot of times we see that with harder exercises like step ups and lunges, where you can tell which muscles you use a lot when you're sitting and then you're good at using them in the gym. But the other ones like your glutes that you're sitting on all day, they're not <laughs> performing as well. Um, so that's one of the big things is looking at, well, 
if it hurts on lunges and squats um, or step ups or running or jumping, well, what are the ways you're doing those activities? And we'll look for those differences. And then if we see a difference, we need to see, is this just a control thing or is there truly a strength deficit that's driving it? And sometimes our previous injuries or previous sports, I always ask, what did you play when you were younger or what activities did you do? Uh, because those may feed into why you favor one side more than the other. Mm, great breakdown on that. And it's it's easy to visualize how uh, things can start to kind of uh, go wrong with the knee as much as, as much as it does move. And I think a lot of people can relate to the diving in and even out sometimes of, of the knee instead of, of these, you know, the stacking that you're talking about. So what are, and this could be tough to do in this setting, right? Cause I know this is a, it's more of a visual thing, mm-hmm. but what are one, one to three tips that you can give for people to start to either avoid this pain or work through it effectively if they're already in it? Absolutely. So let's go with avoidance first. Like in an ideal world, I just want you to move your knee optimally, and then it won't be stressed, and then you won't develop symptoms. So optimal movement of the knee, if you just are standing, you can put your hands on your hips. And if you look down, you should be able to see that your hip, your knee and your second toe are stacked. Then if you stand on one leg, see if you can maintain it. And you may find that it's harder on one side than the other. And then you can also try it with a little single leg squat. And once you just build this awareness of like, oh, I'm supposed to have my hip, knee, and toe stacked. Let me just practice doing what I do with that. Mm. And so if you're in the gym and you're doing step-ups, when you go to put your foot up on the box, don't put it in the middle. Keep it right there so that it's hip-width apart so that you can keep that hip, knee, toe stacked. Or if you're doing lunges, a lot of times we end up on like a tightrope and we get really narrow and wobbly and we almost fall over. So keep your feet hip-width apart even when you put your foot back behind you. And sometimes it's just a matter of slowing down a little bit. I like to put the hands on the hips so that you can kind of get that tactile cue. If you have your hands on your hips, your elbows should be kind of, you know, right across from each other. If you go down into the lunge and you notice that they're spinning forward and back, then you know your hips are rotating and they may be pulling the knee in. So I think to to simplify that, slow it down a little bit and just watch how your hip, knee, and second toe trap when you're already moving. And if you're starting to see like, oh yeah, my left side is a little shaky, try to keep it solid. And then, and just practicing doing what you already do with better alignment will help you work the muscles that keep you there. So that's the first big tip. And we've talked a lot about kind of that stacking hip, knee, toe, and that's in our, that's in our sagittal plane. But in the frontal plane, looking at like, when you go into a squat, I want to see, do you actually hinge at the hips and use your glutes? and then use your quads and your hamstrings and bend your knee? Or do you just go straight to bending the knees, right? A lot of times we've been sitting in our, you know, in our chair, in our office all day, then we go to train at night and our, we haven't quite gotten the mobility and the warm up into our hips that we need. So when you do squats and lunges, just consider sticking your butt back and really hinging at the hips before you bend the knee. That often can be a huge difference because a lot of my clients with knee pain they're, as soon as they go into a lunge or a squat, they're like, oh yeah, I feel it in my quad and then in my knee. And we want the quads to be strong, but we also want to really utilize our hip and our glute effectively. And I often find that when I look at someone's profile view, I see them bend the knee right away. And instead I want them to 
stick the hip back a little bit, lean forward and engage their glute before they load the quad in the knee. So kind of paying attention to that. And if you're one of many who's like, well, I don't feel it in my glutes at all, then we need to spend some energy on how do you just feel it? Because if you can't turn them on, then it's hard to use them actively in some of those harder movements. Mm -hmm. So it kind of goes with that same thing of let's slow it down a little bit and just see if you can initiate the movement, hip, then knee, then ankle. Kind of like stacking the hip, the knee, the second toe. Love it. Beautiful tips. So, all right, let's move on to number two. What do you see as the second most common uh, injury or nagging pain that people are experiencing in the gym? This would be back pain. And it, it would be first if we were taking it out of a gym context, right? Back pain is one of the most common thing orthopedic physiotherapists treat. In a gym setting, I see knees a little more often, but back pain is right there with it. And it's usually, it kind of starts like, well, yeah, my back is sore, but I did deadlifts yesterday. That's normal, right? And I, I have a lot of conversations with our members about, even though it's really common for us to feel tightness, stiffness, a little bit of pain or soreness in our back during or after a workout, it's not normal. You should be able to do squats, lunges, deadlifts, overhead press. You should be able to do that without feeling fatigued and strained through your lower back. We work those muscles in the workout, but a lot of times because our back inherently moves so well, right? We can bend over, we can lean back, we can twist. It moves extremely well. So often we cheat with it. We might squat and our back might round or curve a little, or we're doing lunges and we're twisting a little bit more through our back. Um, or like our members, we do bird dogs in the warm up. I love bird dogs, fantastic rehab exercise. But if you don't do it with stabilizing your back, it becomes just back extensions over and over. <laughs> back extension is great, but what are we, what's the goal of that movement, right? What are we using it for? And so a lot of times with back pain, I find that either joints are stiff and the muscles around it are tight and kind of restricted. And those are the pain drivers. But the reason that those joints and those muscles are symptomatic is because that individual is moving more through their back than they should. And I see it really commonly on deadlifts because the deadlift is a challenging movement to do it just isolating the hip and the knee. And it's really challenging. And sometimes people start to arch their back a little bit throughout the range, or they might come up and kind of hinge back a little bit and collapse in their lower back. And it's not, it's not that they're doing this consciously, it's just that the body always takes the path of least resistance. And because mm -hmm. our spine is so mobile, it's like, oh, I'll do that last little bit of the deadlift. I gotcha. And it doesn't really care if it's going to be sore and tight later. It's just thinking in this moment on this rep, what's the fastest way for me to do this? The glutes are a little slow. I'll just extend and twist a little bit. And, and initially with low loads, that's not a problem. Or even if you're just kind of newer to the workout, it's not a problem. It's over and over that if every time you're deadlifting or squatting, you're sort of curving or extending through the back or twisting a little bit, it's that repeated micro trauma that eventually the straw just breaks the camel's back and you'll have that one workout where it's like, oof, yeah, something went wrong there or like it's really sore. And I, a lot of times the first response is like, well, I'm going to take it easy a little bit. I'm going to rest. And that might be fine. That might calm it down. But then a couple of weeks later, it happens again. And so a lot of my clientele in a gym setting, they come to me when like the back pain is the worst it's ever been. And it's like, okay, now I can't work out. Like it was talking to me a little bit. It was sore, mm. but now it's so bad that I don't even want to deadlift. And that's when we have to really sort of 
calm things down from, from the inside out. We've got to calm down the pain and then we've got to reteach them how to move better so that they can squat and deadlift and lunge without cheating and moving their back. Because all of those exercises are actually great to prevent back pain. But if you do them and you're overutilizing the back and not using the hips effectively, then it can actually feed into the issue. And so a lot of what my treatment looks like for that is just education and teaching people, hey, you really shouldn't feel strain in your back when you do those movements. So we need to recruit the core and get the hips to do more of the work uh, so that the back doesn't get overloaded. Um, and as far as the as far as the knee and the back, if it talks to you for a couple days after a workout and then it goes away, we're less concerned, right? But if it sticks around for a week, that's really when it's like, okay, I need to either reach out to a provider or ask some questions or try some things on my own because it's the symptoms that persist for weeks to months that then all of a sudden I have someone who's like, hey, I've had this back pain for 10 years and I want to get back in the gym, but I don't want to re-aggravate my back. And it just takes longer to fix. So I teach a lot of our clients how to deadlift better and how to squat without stressing their back, even long before they have symptoms. Because they may say, Morgan, it feels fine now, but I can tell that they're deviating. And actually, you and I worked on this too, Coach D. Yeah, we worked sure. on your hip hinge. And it even as a coach, right, and even myself, I work on this a lot. Our low backs love to move. So right. it's that learning that body awareness and how to move through the right place at the right time. It's not bad mm. to move through your back, but if you're going to pull 200 pounds, you want your back nice and stable, and you want your hips and your legs to do the work. Yeah, lovely. So, so I think you alluded to this already, but what's the, the best actionable kind of understandable tip that you can give somebody listening to this to uh, keep the back in the best position while they're in the gym? I think the first step is just building some awareness. So I recommend if pick the exercise that aggravates you, right? If you have a movement where you're like, yeah, I feel like my back gets tired after that. Or sometimes after we've done a workout with a lot of squats or a lot of deadlifts, it'll be sore. Just body weight, put your hand on your back and your stomach and do a few body weight deadlifts or do a few squats or lunges, whatever it is that aggravates you. Just take note. Do you feel your back move? And when I mean move, I mean, do you feel the spine round more or curve more? Does it change positions? Because truly squats and lunges and deadlifts are leg movements. They're lower body exercises. Your back should just stay rigid. It's okay if you have a natural curve because that's your posture. It just shouldn't collapse or hinge or get significantly more curved throughout that range. So what mm, I recommend beautiful. is even if you're not having symptoms now, just put your hand on your lower back when you do your squats or your deadlifts in the warm-up and just see, is it deviating? And then see if it is, can you kind of engage your core and stabilize it? And you'll find it's a lot harder to do. And I also think that you know sometimes – the back is hard because you can't see it, right? You can't see your own back. I'll do things and I feel like, okay, I do it for a living. I know I'm doing the right stuff, but sometimes I'm deviating and I can't even tell because I can't see my back. It's a little easier to control your knee or your ankle because you have visuals on it. And so I even recommend get one of your gym buddies. Hey, would you put your hand on my back when I do this body weight deadlift and just see, is it moving, right? And so you can use the buddy system or take a video and then truly, sometimes we need a little more skilled help. And so like I, I do a lot of workshops and a lot of free trainings on just like, how should we deadlift? How should we hinge? Because if you know how to do it optimally, then you can build that bridge that gap. Like, are you doing it poorly now? Or do we just need to get you stronger 
doing it right. Yeah. Beautiful. You have a beautiful way of breaking this stuff down. And so let's move right into number three. What is the third most common injury or nagging pain you see for folks in the gym between the ages of 30 and 60? Shoulder, shoulder, shoulder. Shoulders up there because we can move our arm around 180 degrees, right? Ton of range of motion. It's a ball and socket. It's basically like a golf ball on a tee. So it's not our most stable, secure joint. And the reason is because we want to have all that mobility but that mobility comes at a cost. And so what that means is that there's just a little less room for air. And because our arms face forward and we drive and we work on the computer and we eat and everything we're doing, our arms get pulled forward. A lot of times, instead of that ball sitting right in the center of the socket, it's being pulled forward and in. And then those of us who work out a lot, we got all this extra muscle that's heavy and it's pulling us forward and in. And what that does is it just doesn't put the shoulder joint in an optimal position to spin in the socket. If it's already being pulled forward, it's just starting kind of halfway there. And then you basically run out of room and you can develop joint pain or it can happen enough times that it starts to overload the rotator cuff or the muscles. Typically, my clients come in from the gym and they're like, Morgan, Coach D made us do like a bajillion overhead press. We did so many chest press and it all felt good. But the next day, I don't know, this right shoulder was just not doing well. And then I start to look at how they're moving and that shoulder is not that shoulder. The ball is not spinning just right in the socket and it's a little stuck. But the reason it got stuck is because they're not able to align it and have it move in the center of the socket when they're doing some of those really demanding overhead or pushing activities. And so like pushups would be another one. So the the first step is just like the other areas, awareness, right? Like what is correct? We should be able to have that ball sit right in the center of the socket, and then it just spins when we go overhead or press. But just due to the nature of having, you know, muscular arms that are heavy and then tight chest muscles from being kind of pulled forward to do our daily activities, the body just takes the path of least resistance. So the shoulder rolls forward in and out of the gym. So the first step is just learning how to correct it. And so my this is an easy one, even over a podcast platform, you just are going to just keep your arms relaxed and you're going to spin your elbow creases forward. Can you spin your bicep forward? And you'll feel that tighten up a little bit in the back of the shoulder. And what that's doing is because our shoulders roll forward, the muscles in the back are sort of long and stretched out. They're on vacation. If you just spin your elbow crease forward, you'll feel how it sort of sucks it back into the socket and those shoulder external rotators on the back of the shoulder blade, they tighten up just a little bit. It's not a... It's not a rock hard muscle. It's a tiny guy. So it's not going to feel like a bicep curl. It's just going to feel like a little awareness. And if you do it in front of a mirror, you'll notice like, wow, that's so cool. It just kind of sucks them right back into the socket. Now, the hard part is your hands are now out like waving the white flag. And so we're so challenged with kind of keeping good shoulder alignment that we have to learn how do I spin that bicep forward and now move my hand freely and be able to move my palm and my elbow. And that's one of my favorite drills. I just put a video up on Instagram about it. But if Mm. you are aware of, oh, how do I just spin that bicep forward and you feel that engaged, I challenge you, can you do that when you set up for an upper body exercise? Can you do that before you do bicep curls? When you're doing chest press, do you have a little awareness of that muscle in the back of the shoulder? Because a lot of times we're just not using it, which means then the shoulder's being pulled forward. It can overload. It puts the joint in a poor mechanical position. And if you think about it, it also impacts performance because you're only working with the muscles in the front. We want, we want to engage the muscles in the back too 
so that then when we recruit all of that, you'll actually be able to lift more on your overhead press if you do it with good alignment. Um, and so that's the, that's the biggest thing I see. And it's one of the easiest ways to just start doing a positive is let me spin that forward. Sometimes I do it just when I get ready to type on my computer and I see, can I maintain it for a few seconds mm. and then move on? Uh, and then of course, if you, if you're doing that and your symptoms don't improve, Shoulder pain can be really uncomfortable, and it's a hard one because we use our shoulders all day, every day, washing our hair, putting our clothes on, all that good stuff. So it's one that I, I don't recommend you let it linger. If it's bugging you, seek some help, right? See a provider. Um, an orthopedic PT is a great option. And if you have other practitioners that help you, then then see, see them. Because sometimes the joint's a little stuck, and we really do need someone to help get it moving better. Yeah, you know, th this is really great. And something I want to add to this, all three of those tips have kind of these these triggers that you can use to put yourself in better positions. But we are what I've seen is most humans are, are lifestyle addicts, right? We have our routines and we just kind of just keep going through the things that are comfortable for to get us from A to B because we're busy. So what I want to encourage everybody to think about is you have this technology at your, it's in your hand at all times, or it's in your phone or in your pocket, or it's in your purse and just set some alarms. Like for number three, we're talking about the shoulders, right? Uh, Dr. Morgan was talking about turning your biceps forward. Well, just set an alarm on your phone, maybe every hour. And it, the alarm just says posture check, right? Just do a little posture check to see, to start bringing more awareness to what you're doing. Um, these are some little things you can start to do on your own. So you can take more control over how you might be doing things in your everyday life all day long um, because th that's a lot of what happens, isn't it, Doc, that you people are just, I mean, we're just out of position all day with this everything being in front of us. We're rounded forward typing on our keyboard. We're rounded forward typing on our phone. We're rounded forward driving our car. Then we go sit on the couch. We watch TV. We're rounded forward. Is this what you see? This A lot of our daily movements and daily postures feed into this. And then it's it's load that triggers the injury, right? It's right. adding load in the gym or maybe you're doing yard work or, you know, you're out on a hike and you do more than you're used to. It's the load that sometimes triggers the symptoms, but those movements and those, that posture and that alignment has been brewing for, mm. for years, for decades. I also think I'm pretty realistic, right? And so even myself, I'm not good about kind of being as disciplined throughout the day. And I work over people. My job puts me in a position to pull me forward. But I am good about like doing a few things before I'm going to train, before I'm going to work out. So sometimes it can be overwhelming to think about like, oh my gosh, all these deviations are happening all day long. Well, you're already going to the gym. You're doing your workout. You're supposed to be thinking about your form. You have your coach. Use that as a time to just start to practice like, Beautiful. Yeah, I'm going to kind of spin that elbow crease forward before I do this chest press. Or when I do my step ups, I'm going to go a little slower and keep my hip, knee and second toe stacked because it's already your time dedicated to your body. There's there's few distractions. It's your time to work out and move practice there where it's very structured. And then it will start to carry over to like if you can practice your step ups well, then you'll practice it when you go up your stairs at home because you've already gotten a few reps in where you dedicated it. Or my favorite, when I like farmers carry my five bags of groceries in the house, before I do it, I spin my bicep forward, I engage the back of the shoulder, and I'm like, oh yeah, this is just like the farmers carry and the deadlifts I did this week. So sometimes, like I, I mean, you're one of the most disciplined people I know. So I know you could do it, you know, every hour on the hour. And, but some of us, 
it's harder, especially maybe you've got a work deadline or you're taking care of kids, you got all these distractions. The last thing you might think about is your alignment. The only time that's different is when it hurts. If it hurts and it feels better to correct it, you'll do it because you're like, oh, that feels better. But sometimes when it doesn't hurt, there's not a lot of motivation to change. And so instead, what? because we talked about in the beginning, how do we do this to manage and prevent or avoid injuries? Even if you're not having problems, practice this in the gym. It's already your dedicated time to your movement, your fitness. Then it'll start to trickle over to like when you're walking to do errands or when you're grabbing objects. Um, and then eventually you can be a little more aware of it with just the day-to-day task or, or even multitasking. Like how do I garden, pick up these weeds and make sure I don't over strain through my lower back? Yeah, this is great. So if you're listening to this, you are probably between the ages of 30 and 60 and you're probably one of our clients or you're somebody listening who's in the gym working out or you're headed that way. And we just want to make sure that you have some knowledge in your toolkit that you can use. And so those are your your top three. Um, Dr. Morgan obviously works out of our facility here at Bodies by Design in Pflugerville. Uh, It's great to have her in the facility. So but the work that she does is open to everybody. So if you are in Pflugerville or the surrounding area, Round Rock, Georgetown, North Austin area, uh, you can schedule with Dr. Morgan and she'd be happy to see you. Uh, also, she does have an online presence. So Dr. Morgan, where can people find you online? You can find me on Facebook and Instagram. Opal Movement Therapy is the handle. And so I post a lot of content, a lot of videos on these exact kinds of tips. And so Instagram, there's lots of videos and you can even kind of scroll through and find the one on back pain or shoulder pain. And then the other thing I do is I offer a lot of live workshops in the North Austin area. And so if you go to my website, www.opalmovementtherapy.com, you can find upcoming workshops either at Bodies by Design or gyms close in the area. And those are open to the public. They're totally free. They're on different topics. Uh, In February, on February 10th, we're doing how our movement system ages. And so looking at how do our bones, muscles, cartilage, balance system, how does it change with age? So that way we can mitigate changes with age and and optimize things. Um, And then I've got a couple on, you know, hip pain, knee pain. We, I do several a month. So that's a great opportunity to, whether you're a member at Bodies by Design or just someone in the community wanting to learn more. Um, and I, I do a lot of education for that. Thank you for being here. Really appreciate your time. If you're listening to this, uh, you can tell that Doc has a great way of breaking things down in a, a way that you can actually take action on it. It's not, even though she's highly educated, she breaks things down in a very understandable way so that you can take action. So definitely join one of those workshops, visit her online. We'll have it linked up uh, in the show notes. Doc, we appreciate your time. Thanks for thank joining you, us. You. And uh, everybody listening. Thank you for listening to episode number 76. Make sure you share this with somebody that's in your network, in your family, in your neighborhood, that goes to your church, wherever they are. Share it with them because everybody's experiencing some kind of discomfort that these tips will help. And we will see y'all on the next episode. Peace. For more from Bodies by Design, please head over to bbdforlife.com. If this show was valuable to you, please share it out. There's someone that needs this message right now. Also, please head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and review. When you do this, 
It helps us climb the iTunes charts, reach more people, and impact the next life. We appreciate you tuning in, and we're committed to keep bringing you more great content that, when applied, has the power to change your life.